crazy, but this is one of the things that really doesn't get taught in school. There's a few different investment vehicles um, that I'm going to talk about. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more, but these are two of the most popular. They're fixed income and equity. There are funds available at these different companies where you can talk to them and tell them, hey, I'm looking for you know a more balanced approach. Let's just say like it's 50% stocks, 50% bonds. Just keep it. Rick Vaza and this is the Drive Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be doing a little personal finance. Uh, so this morning I actually had a team meeting. Uh, it's kind of one of the exciting things that we're doing now with our group uh, covering how to invest. It's a really exciting time. You know, Guys are working really hard. They're starting to build some savings and they're interested in figuring out how do I put that money to work, uh, which is crazy, but this is one of the things that really doesn't get taught in school. Um, so we went through uh, this morning, some of the different risk reward profiles and different ways to get that money working. Uh, I want to share that out with the rest of the team and then hopefully the viewers find this helpful as well. Uh, so let's dive right in. Uh, for, so first thing that you're looking at when it comes to investing, I mentioned there's a risk reward profile that most people are going to be working through. Okay, so if we think of a scale of 0 to 10, um, just kind of keep things easy. Uh, a lot of this is based on time horizon and then the potential riskiness of the investment, which is going to drive the expected reward that we get. So if you think of like your typical checking account or, or bank, you know, savings account, uh, typically you're going to be here on that zero spectrum, right? You, you go to sleep, your checking account has $100, you wake up the next day, it has $100. Maybe over the course of the year, you get a little bit of interest along the way, but there's really no risk of that losing value the following day. Right? On the other end of the extreme, you could have you know an individual stock. Take like you know an Amazon for example over the last ten years, where it's kind of been a crazy roller coaster of a ride, but over that long time horizon, it's added a ton of value. Right, so you have these two like very different extremes um, showcasing that. Now, typically speaking, there's a few different investment vehicles um, that I'm going to talk about. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more, but these are two of the most popular, and they're fixed income and equity. Now, because finance is super complicated, like both of those have you know, pretty much eight different names that could be used interchangeably. Um, you can hear this as like bonds, CDs, there's all different types of fixed income within here. Equity is commonly gonna be referred to as stocks. Um, but these are the, the primary ones we'll talk through and I'll kind of explain how they both work as far as the investments themselves go. So let's start with fixed income. Let's just use a basic one, which is CDs, which a lot of people are familiar with. Most of fixed income has similar components anyway, so it's a good analogy to use for, for the other ones as well. Uh, but essentially what you're doing with fixed income, you are lending someone, whether it's a bank, another person, doesn't really matter, but you are lending money uh, or, or you know, giving them money in that case. Um, and then there are going to be interest payments along the way. And then at the end of whatever term that is, that money that you lent is typically coming back, right? So perfect example is the bank CD. And when we think about this risk reward timeline, you know, there's usually some sort of interest rate involved. So let's say in this case, you know, we got like a 3% rate and that's as long as we keep it in there for five years. So we're hitting somewhere around here. Typically the further out we go in duration, the longer this is going to last, the higher the interest rate that they'll offer, right? Because essentially they're saying, Hey, you know, we have more certainty that you're not going to have that money back so we can do more with it. So in that case, we can offer you a more attractive rate to entice you to allow that to do it. So there's a trade-off there. And on the, on the contrary, on the, the shorter that we go, the lower the interest rate. And there's kind of that swing with fixed income. And actually, the risk to me as the investor 
is if something happens with them once I've lent them my money, right? Will I, with assurance, get that money back? So as you can imagine, the more um, confident that investors are with getting that money back, the lower the interest rate that company or that person or whoever it is that's uh, receiving that money uh, has to offer in order to attract it. And the riskier that that is that I'll get that back, the higher interest rate I'll demand in order to make sure that I feel properly compensated to do that. But the general principle is there's some money that I'm lending and there's something going through and that bank CD is a common example that you know a lot of people are familiar with. Next up is equity. So equity is a lot different. Um, in that case, you are actually becoming an owner. Um, so typically think of it as a company, you know, the stock market being probably the most popular vehicle to, to gain access to this is you're investing into the company and now you're essentially um, relying on the fact that uh, these companies are going to continue to go out and produce new widgets, new products, enter new markets, uh, continue to grow and thrive. And as a owner, you are going to be um, rewarded, you know, essentially with your share of uh, the profits that are coming back to you. And that can come in various forms, um, but essentially it's a similar concept. There are some sort of cash flows that those businesses should be generating uh, that are then being returned to the owner. Um, now the big difference is that timeline could be indefinite. So whereas with fixed income, we typically have a set time horizon where it's five, 10, or like a mortgage 30 years. Um, with equity, you know, you could be an owner for that forever and actually you could even potentially pass it on to heirs down the road. Um, now with equity, let's, let's kind of continue with the Amazon theme. Um, you know, a big difference is typically if you think of this like kind of risk reward profile, um, you know, we could go back to the, the dot-com era, you know, you have this, this boom coming up, the bubble bursts, kind of drops back down, you get all the craziness of like the 2000s, we've had, you know, the 2008 recession again, things bop, jump back up, um, I don't know, they launch AWS and things go off to the moon, they've come back down for whatever reason with COVID, um, and then they're back up. So it's, you know, there's, it's a roller coaster is the point. Um, and that you know, in the long run is super attractive. Obviously the returns have been tremendous um, and we're picking a very rosy example, right? There's plenty of p companies that maybe haven't done that. But the reason I like highlighting Amazon is just to showcase how difficult this would be if you are you know, not able to, like one, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback, right? Be like, oh yeah, of course that was a great investment. But for all of these, there's, there are plenty that didn't you know, come back up and, sh and shoot up. Um, but also, uh, think of how hard that is as you're going through that. You know, in certain periods, you're seeing your money lose value by you know 50% or so. So that can be really challenging, honestly, from a psychological standpoint. And it's frankly not even just a, a very savvy move to have all of your eggs in one basket. So what's been developed is uh, mutual funds as well as uh, exchange-traded funds. So they're very synonymous. So for the sake, I'm just going to use the mutual funds example. But what I like to describe these as is essentially like a shopping cart. So if you think about it, what you're doing in this case, as we talked about, you know, the single stock position being very risky with the mutual funds, you're essentially having a shopping cart. And instead of just having Amazon in the cart, you're filling up with all these different companies. And there's tons and tons of different mutual funds that all have different purposes. But in general, I think this example works pretty well. So you're filling up your shopping cart with like Home Depot, Amazon, Apple, JP Morgan, Pepsi, you know, all these major brands and companies. So instead of it being kind of like this crazy roller coaster that you're just relying on one stock, as you can imagine, the more you put in, the more you're kind of flatlining this out. Now it'll still fluctuate significantly um, depending on it, you know, the strategy that this is following. Um, but obviously the variation would be uh, significantly different than that. 
Um, of course, too, we would expect our return now because of the um, decrease in variation to be lower. So, you know, the S&P 500 uh, being one of the most popular baskets of uh, companies uh, typically has averaged, you know, we'll call it around 9% per year, which can be very, very attractive um, when you think about how you're putting the money to work. So this gives you just a framework of, okay, so I, I now have, um, you know, money to, to spend. I want to start putting it to work. But now how do you decide which one of these makes sense? So there are fixed income mutual funds or equity mutual funds. Again, the mutual funds are just the basket. So it's much, much more popular now to start using things like this to start creating the investment vehicle. When you're deciding though, what I always used to coach uh, clients on is how are you then framing, you know, which type of investments to use? And what we would do is basically break out these three different buckets. So your three buckets are your short-term bucket, your mid-term bucket, and then your long-term bucket, okay? Now your short-term bucket is what I would call your emergency fund. So this is the boring, set it in the bank, you know, zero type of risk, although you aren't losing money to inflation, but you know, hey, if there's a crack in my windshield, if you know something happens that is an emergency fund, now I don't have to swipe the credit card and rack up credit card debt. I have you know money that's gonna help me sleep good at night knowing it's there. Uh, general rule of thumb from a lot of financial professionals is anywhere from three to six months of your typical budget tucked away there. So for example, you spend five grand a month, good starting point is trying to get that to 15,000. Now that's a just a good, again, it's a good starting point. Um, and then with the midterm, uh, that tends to be, uh, you know, some people call it miscellaneous money. Some people have a goal for it. Maybe I'm trying to save for a house in 10 years. Uh, maybe I'm trying to save for a car, vacation, college. There's all different types of reasons. Everyone's situation is personal, um, but that's a big part of investing. When you're thinking about it, what I talked about with the team is you're really investing with the purpose in mind. Um, and if you're not, I mean, it can just automatically fall into long-term and, you know, we're going to try to grow this as best we can. But the last thing you would want to do is, you know, if you have a goal three years away, put it into the most aggressive thing that has a long-term time horizon associated with it. And then you potentially have lost money and now three years has come and you don't have the funds available anymore. So aligning your goals is really, really important with how you decide where these two buckets then fall. Um, but these are typically going to be your individual non-retirement accounts. Um, so this uh, really popular institutions are going to be Fidelity, Charles Schwab, Vanguard, these places that allow you to open investment accounts. And um, the beautiful thing about those accounts is you still have access to the money. So it's not like a retirement account where your money's locked away, but it's a lot better because you're able to put the money to work. So rather than just sitting in your checking account earning you zero, you can start to utilize things like mutual funds to get the money invested and start growing. Now in the long-term bucket, you typically have things like a 401k or an IRA if you don't have um, a 401k or maybe even you have both. Um, but these are uh, retirement related. So there's typically going to be some sort of trade-off. The government's basically saying, hey, we're going to give you some tax advantages with, the, with these vehicles. Um, but in, uh, in, uh, for you, in order to do that, you can't touch this money for a long period of time, you know, close to like 70 uh, years old, for example. Um, so, you know, you're kind of balancing now these two things of, okay, how much am I planning to save for later? And then how much do I still need access to, but I don't necessarily have the same type of tax um, incentives associated with this vehicle. And again, it's always a trade-off. They're, they're always, uh, that's a, the thing with finance, it's kind of always this balancing act. And obviously each person's situation is different. But when you get here, at that point, then you're figuring out, okay, so you know if these are my long-term um, 
if my long-term investments, a really popular vehicle, which most of our team uses are target date funds. So these are the funds that essentially set up, um, you know, they're associated with your age. So their risk profile, it's kind of a set it and forget it where you put the money in and it, you know, especially if you're young, it's kind of pedal to the metal. We're going to be really aggressive to try to grow this the best we can because we know that you're not going to be touching this for a really long time. So that's a, that's a very popular type of vehicle. They usually have like a year associated at the end of it. In this case, you know, maybe you're looking for some, uh, I was talking to my team about this, like, hey, maybe you're looking for something more five to seven years away. So you want to grow it, but you also can't necessarily risk like a huge drop in it. So maybe there's something that's more of a balanced approach that we're looking at. So kind of like a five on the scale. Um, there are funds available at these different companies where you can talk to them and tell them, hey, I'm looking for you know, a more balanced approach. Let's just say like it's 50% stocks, 50% bonds, just to keep the, the example easy. Um, and they'll be able to help you choose which mutual fund fits that profile. Um, and again, the time horizon is really what's dictating that of which one's the appropriate one. Um, and a lot of what that mix comes out to be is how much equity versus how much fixed income those different investments are um, allocated towards because it's gonna tilt the risk reward profile accordingly based on what we were talking about here. Um, and then of course this last one just being like your standard bank uh, checking or savings account. So when you have that, you have this kind of three different buckets if you will. Each of them has a different purpose and very um, unique uh, to the individual goals that you have. And when you build out that entire framework, you know, this is what's really helpful about it. Like if the stock market goes down, you don't have to be super concerned because you know, hey, that's my long-term money that I'm not touching for a while anyways, I'm already built out and protected here. So really it's allowing you to develop the game plan, the kind of why behind the investments so you can be more confident when you're making decisions, not panic, you know, when things do um, go down because they inevitably do. Um, but if built over a long enough time horizon, um, you know, human being and ingenuity has always won and capitalism works very well and typically uh, it has grown money effectively over time. And uh, obviously what we're doing with our team, this can be really powerful. So, you know, some of these funds have a minimum of starting at like even $100 as a minimum. So there's not too small of an amount. You can't get started too early. They you know, allow the power of compounding to work for you. And what we're really trying to get them going with is um, getting started sooner than later so that this wealth can continue to build. And then as they're increasing their wages and earnings, um, they're able to keep adding fuel to the fire. So I hope this is helpful. If you have any questions, as always, feel free to drop them in the comments. Um, I really like helping with this stuff. This is my, uh, my former life coming out and um, I, I you know, hope you guys enjoyed it. So thanks for uh, stopping by.